Welcome to Sisters in Stoke. I'm your host, Megan Burks, a certified professional coach specializing in ADHD and embodiment practices, steel mace flow enthusiast, and recovering perfectionist whose life has been guided, for better or for worse, by the motto, let's fuck around and find out. On this podcast, I interview women and those who identify as women who have done just that and whose honesty, bravery, vulnerability, and curiosity have helped them find their stoke, the thing that lights them up and has shaped their relationship with their body, their spirit, and the world around them. I share the stories that inspire me so that you too can find your stoke. Hello and welcome to the Sisters in Stoke podcast. I am so excited. I'm so stoked to have with me today Tanya Carroll, who I'm going to read her formal bio in just a moment. But more important than anything I'm going to tell you about her in a minute when I read this, uh, Tanya is a dear friend of mine, and she is actually also an incredible mentor. Um, for me. She has been a cheerleader of mine in many areas, even though Tanya, you and I haven't spent a ton of time in physical space together. Um, And she's been a huge cheerleader for me to get this podcast going. She's answered my tech questions and probably will have to continue to do so. Um, So this is a really, really special guest for me to have on the show today. And I'm sure you will enjoy our conversation. You're going to make me cry already, Megan? Oh, well, you made me cry about five minutes into the episode I did on your podcast. Um, I make people cry very easily. Maybe it's just my face. That's what my son said to me the other day. Maybe it's just the way you look. I was like, oh, thanks. That's so sweet. All right. Now for the formal, the formal bio. And then we're going to, I have a first question we're going to jump straight into because I'm excited. Uh, Tanya Carroll found her calling as a corrective exercise and holistic lifestyle coach after her first husband passed away as a result of melanoma cancer. Actively choosing to move forward and forge a career in health in terms of preventative rather than reactive, Tanya knew she wanted to provide a positive example for her then two young children in leading a life that showed them how to find and live their potential through their sole purpose. After finding love again with an amazing man and expanding her family to include her new husband's three children and then having another child, Tanya also expanded her career to include surf coaching. Her family has now grown to include two grandsons who are absolutely gobsmackingly gorgeous children. For someone who could not swim and has a fear of fish, surf coaching seemed left to field, but the long-held desire to coach professional surf athletes helped drive Tanya to become a leading surf coach at Urban Surf Melbourne. Tanya works with a wide range of people from athletes in and out of the water to people learning to surf for the first time. Tanya has also played a pivotal role with her supporting position in the success of the Waves of Wellness programs at Urban Surf. Currently, Tanya shares part ownership in Integrity Chiropractic, where her clinic practice is based, as well as coaching and surfing in every spare minute at Urban Surf. Tanya also advocates for women's health in surfing through her podcast, Amongst the Waves, Welcome, Tanya Carroll. And my very first question is, what has got you stoked? Oh, what has got me stoked? Uh, Right now, being involved with Surfing Victoria and the Surf Her Way program, we were there on, what was that, Friday night to listen to a bunch of ladies speak. But um, I can't remember her last name, but Gail, who is a long-known surfer, 
in mm-hmm. the Victorian community. She's won 10 bells, although she will only claim three because 10 were in the pre-pro era. Listening to her speak and listening to a bunch of girls speak there as well was like, I'm in the right place. Yeah. Like, so being involved at Urban Surf and being involved in my own surf coaching, but now starting to get more involved with surf coaching and those athletes on a um, state level is mm-hmm. really exciting. Oh, it's it's so so just a little bit of background about my and Tanya's relationship. So I've known Tanya for a really long time. Tanya was actually the first person who gave me homemade kombucha, uh, which I will admit at the time, as I heard a comedian say once, this tastes like a cold sore. Uh, (laughs) But it grew on me. It grew on me. That was when I was way back at the beginning of discovering some things about paleo, um, Paul Czech and things like that, which we will get a little bit into because I'd love to hear some about that. But as long as I've known Tanya, something that we have shared a love of is surfing, Mm -hmm. Um, in particular women in surfing, despite the fact that neither one of us actually gets to surf very often. Uh, Tanya, you're quite landlocked, or you were quite landlocked where you were until Urban Surf. I live very close to the beach, but children and jobs and things have prevented me. That's, That's finally changing. And Tanya's had a dream for a long time to be a surf coach, but not only did she have to learn to surf, but she had to learn to swim. Absolutely. Yep. So that's yep. what I would love to start with. The I guess the theme of this podcast is really that moment in a woman's life where she goes, you know what? I'm just going to fuck around and find out. Like, I'm just going to do what I need to do to make this happen. I'd love to hear a little bit about that process for you. For sure. So, yeah, we met when um, Andrew, my husband and I owned uh, Livestrong Primal Fitness. So you were coming along to one of the, I think, what was it? The whole nine conference? The whole, the whole 30. When whole they, 30. Yeah. That's yep. right. Way, way a long time ago. You were still breastfeeding at the time. Cause I remember I you emailed me and said, will it be appropriate if I'm breastfeeding or will yep. you have a space for me to breastfeed if it's not appropriate to do it? And I was like, totally, of course you can do that wherever and you yep. want in our space. Yep. Um, so we owned that gym and hosted courses, but probably about eight years ago, I, we both, Andrew and I heard whispers. I think he said it to me, actually. He said, have you heard that there's going to be a surf park in Tallamarine? I went, no, and went straight to Google and Googled it straight away and found out who to contact right up front because I wanted to be involved and wanted to go. I wanted to, actually, I approached them first of all and said, I want to be a land-based coach because I couldn't surf at the time, even though I've loved surfing all of my life and watched it and gone to comps and everything. Um, yeah, so I contacted Rupert at the time and said, what do I need to do to be a land-based coach? and my husband to be a chiropractor on site. Are you building a gym facility when you open? And basically, long story short, over those years as they developed and as they built and um, launched Urban Surf, it came became very clear that they would, didn't have the funds at the time to build a, um, a gym at opening at stage one. So then um, Sean, our general manager, after a meeting with me said, you're going to have to do something different if you want to be a surf coach here because we don't have the facilities that we need to house you and to house the chiropractic and to house the corrective exercise coaching. We love it and love that idea, but we don't have the funding at the moment to do that and that's not part of our initial opening plan. And I went, okay. And he said, you can do customer service or you can be a surf coach. And I went, (laughs) I'm not going into customer service. (laughs) What do I need to do to to be a surf coach? And when I then went home and again Googled and went, looked it up and looked at the qualifications I would need. I was like, okay, I can handle the surf coaching part of it. I think I can get through that. I can learn to surf and I can do that part of it. I've been a coach for 17 years. So that part of it comes naturally to me. But when it said in the certifications that you have to be actually a qualified ocean lifeguard, 
I shit myself. Yeah. Literally. Like yeah. panicked and left it for about three weeks and went, I just can't even mentally deal with that because I'm so scared of fish that doing those certification or that certification in the ocean um, was a massive hurdle for me. So it was about three weeks and I went, no, this is really what I want to do. I cannot not miss this opportunity and I can't miss getting in when Urban Surf opens. I want to be there from the start. Um, so, yeah, I learned to swim, um, did a couple of lessons with a client's girlfriend actually at a pool and then just spent all of lockdown swimming and pre-lockdown as well, swimming in our backyard pool because we'd actually just moved recently into a house that has a swimming pool, luckily. Um, so, yeah, I learned to swim and just put the hard yards in. And, um, and then I did do some ocean swimming as well, which still freaks me out a little bit, but I'm getting better yeah. at it. And, yeah, I got the job and, um, yeah, kind of I feel like I was an imposter I had that imposter syndrome probably really up until about a year ago even where I stood and looked around and went, am I really doing this? Like is someone going to realise that I'm still like a novice surfer and call me out on that and go, oh, you shouldn't have that job. But it never happened. So, yeah, yeah, that's what I guess my drive was that my passion is coaching athletes and coaching surfing athletes. So that drive was bigger than any of my fears. I love that. I love that. And I think too that you and I have talked about this a lot and I talk about this a lot with my coaching clients is that women, especially, I mean, people, but women in particular are really good at going, oh, what are the risks of doing this? And we're not always as good at asking ourselves, what are the risks of not doing this? You know, what are the Mm -hmm. consequences of not doing this? And that's what you did. You were able to say, what are the risks of not following my dream? Um, Something I'm really curious, I think, to hear about, because I was also someone who was fascinated by surfing since I was really young. I was on a board a handful of times in Nova Scotia, which when I grew up in Nova Scotia, Canada, that was not known as a surf destination and has since become a place with world-class waves. Mm. Uh, You need a very thick wetsuit to surf in the Atlantic Ocean. I've seen photos this last year of my friends surfing in like slush waves, which is just bananas, but so fun. Ice waves, you know. But what do you think it was about, what is it about surfing in particular that you were drawn to as something that you've never hadn't at that point had not experienced, I guess? Really good question. I think part of it was the culture and the fact that I tried to be part of that culture as a teenager and my immediate friendship group uh, kind of said that it was a phase I was going through and kind of laughed at me about that because that's not what my close friendship group was about they weren't Mm. in that surf culture so the fact that I felt like I wasn't accepted by my friends or by that culture as a teenager I went I can be and I want to be and I want to know more about it and I knew that there were much deeper levels and layers to the surfing culture um, which I'm still uncovering now Um, in terms of the boys club mentality about it yeah like it to me that felt not fair yeah like why should one sex own the ocean and why should one group of people feel like they have claim to an ocean that makes up most of our planet that we all live on like that that shouldn't be owned by any one group um so that was one part of it but also now I think I look back now and go there must have been something in me knew that knew that water was meant to be the place that I was going to be because mm. my studies within in um, corrective exercise coach led me down the path of studying infant development. And we know as infants, as we 
grow and evolve in the womb, we're in water. Yeah. So a lot of the movements that I would do with clients on land mimic what we do in the womb. Very, yeah. very, very um, early infant development work. So that movement, I think, was something that I was drawn to without knowing really that it was an in, like like an innate drawing to water. Um, and I was actually talking to a few girlfriends about this on a, when we went down to the um, Phillip Island on Friday night saying that now that I spend so much time in water, I actually often have to times at times remind myself to come up and out of the water because yeah. I'm so yeah. comfortable under the water, like with that um, free diving that we were talking about earlier as well. Mm. That feeling of being under the water and being so one with nature is yeah. more than I've ever experienced anywhere else. Yeah. Because I think, gosh, I just need a moment to pause because there was so, and I love, I actually love that I just got to hear things that are, because you and I have had very deep conversations. We don't, we don't do bullshit small talk. That's not how either one of we us We don't have operates. time for that. We don't <laughs> have time for that. We're busy women. You know, we've got lots to do. And there was, there was a lot in that, that I want to unpack a little bit, but I think when it comes to to water first of all what you were talking about in terms of our movement and when you start to look at things like spinal waves and the rotational capabilities of our spine which are things that we obviously as we've become land-based and we're affected by gravity and you know now we're all hunched over from being computers and devices and stuff we've lost so much of that ability um to flex those parts of our bodies and mm -hmm. to move them which has a huge emotional impact on us as well it you know it affects everything it affects our hydration i mean you know all this our obviously thoughts, everything yeah our thoughts you know it's 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 really amazing and i was i've just gone back to swimming laps just at a pool for now because that's where i can get there and get in and, and know that the conditions and the water quality and everything else is going to be okay um and i was swimming the other night and thinking about how bizarre it is that as humans who evolved from something that came out of the water and mm -hmm. grew legs and then continue to evolve being in the water and swimming really is this thing that we can do and we do it so well actually we do it so well so, so but we don't have to yeah you know like when you look at walking and running those are skills that we still as humans less so running now but we we need to be able to walk we need to be able to to be you know in motion kind of thing mm -hmm. but yet we still have this capability to go in the water. And I love what you said too, but having to remind yourself, it's so quiet. In the water, it's so you know? peaceful. Yeah. It's so peaceful. Um, I have a book here on the shelf somewhere called Surf Mama, and she was introduced to being in the water. Her husband gave her a scuba diving class when they had small children and she hated being in the water. It was like one of those terrible gifts that your husband gives you and you think, don't you know me at all? Yeah. But she'd, she'd go to this pool in Ireland and put the scuba gear on and sit on the bottom of the pool. Yeah. for an hour and be like this is the best place ever and that's how she was introduced to water and the ocean and everything and i've got friends that surf here uh, you would know many of them you've interviewed some of them um beautiful jess who will be on this podcast at some point who actually have to go spend time in nature yeah and and hike to actually ground ourselves but the thing is when when you're in nature and i see a tree and i can i can feel the energetic connection between myself and the earth. And if you take your feet off and your granny, if you hug a tree, you can feel all those sensations, but there's still this delineation between me mm -hmm. and nature. Yeah. Because when you're encompassed in water, you're part of nature. Yeah. And I think yep. with surfing too, that moment that you become 
because you know that that whole even that phrase like catch the wave catch the wave it wasn't until i really started to understand i didn't need to catch the wave i actually just needed to surrender to the wave mm -hmm. and yeah. let it take me where it was going to take me i mean that's when i was finally able to stand up on a board yeah which it's that still moment lost but yeah it, it is and it's it's that moment that surfers froth about when they're mm -hmm. like and everything around you disappears and there's no sound and you're on the wave for four hours and anyone who hasn't surfed thinks oh you you know you're smoking so much marijuana dude like obviously <laughs> which is totally a part of some surf culture um yeah. but that's, that's something the... I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more about in terms of the surf culture thing and really interesting I mean, obviously being a teenager, there's so many things that we look back on. You and I have had this discussion in our forties and our fifties and think, God, why did I abandon that? Yeah. And, and a lot of the work that both of us do is reconnecting women to those things that brought them joy and fun. And from your case, helping them be physically prepared. Mm -hmm. There is a difference. I can tell you roller skating at 43 than when I used to roller. <laughs> when I fall now, I'm like, Oh, that's a week of recovery. You know, it's yep, different. But one of the things that you would get to experience that I'd love to hear a bit about too, especially, you know, at urban surf and then ocean surfing as well, is the diversity of the surf culture yep. and, and what that's been like for you to become a part of that community. Yeah, cool. Going back just to that point that you said about being on the wave on the moment and feeling that, um, when we went into our first lockdown, I think it was. Actually, it might have been the second lockdown. I used there to There were have... so many. Who knows? <laughs> I know, right? Whichever <laughs> one it was. I would wake up after dreaming about that mm. moment. And mm. for some people, and people describe this differently, but for me, it's being at the very top of the wave, the point at which you just stop paddling and you know that the wave has picked you up. Yeah. And it's got complete power of doing one of two things, either taking you with it or dumping you depending on where you've gotten on the wave. And most people will say, well, that depends on where you get on the wave and that's all up to you. Sometimes I don't think it is. Sometimes I yeah. think the wave of a mind no. has a mind of its own. Absolutely. <laughs> I'd have dreams about that moment of like feeling it and seeing it out of the periphery of my vision, paddling, looking down and seeing where I'm going on the wave and that feeling of froth and absolute stoke and absolute joy of being one with it. I'd have dreams about that. And I'd wake up in the morning during lockdown like upset because mm -hmm. I couldn't get it. I couldn't feel it. I didn't know when lockdown was going to finish. I didn't know whether I'd be able to go back to working at Urban Surf, whether they'd have to close because they're a new business, all of that. So I had PTSD as a result of, yeah, not being able to get yeah. that and, and worrying that I was never going to feel that again. Really extreme, but that's where your mind goes when your mental health yeah. starts to deteriorate during those periods of complete isolation. Um, so, yeah, I, like that feeling is something that I try to let other people experience when I'm coaching them. And they don't always get it the first time, but sometimes they do. And when they do, you know they've gotten it. And I can't, like I can explain it the way it feels to me, but everybody needs to experience that moment for them to get hooked. Yeah. Yeah. And I think knowing that like for me i'm really committed this year to getting out when the waves are shitty when it's you know when it's this when it's that just keeping my surf fitness up i can ride a wave on my knees and get that little bit of stoke kind of thing and it's yeah. just time in the water um i just want to touch very quickly for those of you who are listening to this podcast because this is a theme that will continually come up i know for a fact with a lot of my guests that were based here in victoria australia during the pandemic um tanya just said that she had ptsd 
And I know that to some people who did not experience the level of lockdowns that we did here, that may sound like an extreme description of what we went through, but we were locked down for 200 and so I can't days. even remember. It was yeah. over the two years. Um, we spent most of our times in some kind of a lockdown, uh, the most of which, you know, four reasons to leave home, no further than five kilometers from your house. Mm-hmm. Um, I know here on the peninsula, the one place the police were actually checking licenses was at the surf beaches Beach. because yeah. that was the place people were willing to break the five kilometer rule. Um, skip. Yeah. And it was, it's actually, you know, there's research emerging here about the effects that that has had, especially on primary school age children mm. and things like that. So it was incredibly harsh and it's for people, for people who are water women, um, you know, I took two baths a day during yeah. lockdowns, which I had guilt about how much water I was using because I had this huge deep tub, yeah. but that was all I could get. I couldn't, I couldn't go and get in the water. I couldn't, I couldn't get in it. And I was telling someone this morning when the first lockdown ended, I dropped my kids off at school and drove straight to the beach and ran down into the water and was screaming underwater for yeah. a solid five minutes. It was freezing. I was shaking. And then I was just crying. I was so relieved to be back in the water and that connection that's hard to explain to someone who doesn't feel that way about being yeah. in the water and and not everybody does. Um, and that's no um, disrespect to people who no. are traumatized in other ways and have PTSD as a yeah. result of things that we normally would consider to be worthy of being caused by people, like extreme well, events kind of thing. So it's, I don't say that lightly when I say that no. I have PTSD because I, I certainly did. Well, and my, look, my additional training that I've done during the lockdowns, how I made use of my time was doing extra training in somatic trauma therapy and embodiment methodologies. And that something I think that's quite exciting about our work in trauma at the moment is that our definition of what causes trauma has expanded greatly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very hard for some people to get their head around, but so much of what we have normalized as all, oh, that's just how it is, is not actually how it is. And it does have long-term effects. On that note, highly recommend everybody listen to or read The Myth of Normal by Gabor Mate. That's his new book. It's very confronting, but it's very good, um, as of course. And I, I think that the water has also been a great source of healing for people post-pandemic, mm-hmm. um, which is where I would like to go next and hear a little bit more about how you are advocating for women's wellness through involvement in surfing. It's such a fucking exciting time to be a woman in surfing. Um, You know, we've seen, there's been some, so many news articles the last year that women surfing and skateboarding actually are are two huge areas of growth. sports. Yep. The biggest growth. Yeah. Yeah. Women. And, um, and I want to hear more about waves of wellness and mm-hmm. and just your experiences as someone who's come from this you know very land-based approach to wellness very holistic you mm-hmm. are a czech practitioner um mm-hmm. i'd love it if you want to explain maybe a little bit about what that is to begin people who aren't familiar with um the czech philosophy probably would like to hear about what that actually means yeah and then i'd love to hear about um how amongst the waves came to be and and your involvement with waves of wellness cool so starting at the start the czech practitioner yeah. is a Corrective holistic exercise kinesiologist is what it was called when I first started. So Paul Check started the program. He was um, a very smart guy, 
owned physiotherapy studios, didn't have any formal qualifications. I don't think he did. Not Certainly not in the level to the level of um, education that he started producing anyway. So it was basically based on what he saw in clinical practice. So he brought these courses or brought what he was practicing and chiropractors and osteos and doctors even were coming to him and saying, what are you doing and how are you doing it? So eventually he got sick and tired of saying, trying to explain it and wrote the courses so that these doctors and chiros and osteos could come and do his courses. He then later started to realize that that could only reach so many people. So went and spoke to someone in marketing, I think it was, and they said, you're going to have to, if you want to bring this wider and bring this to a bigger population of people, then you're going to have to kind of break it down so it's a little bit more easy to understand and not spoken in the words of a doctor or in those physiotherapy yep. terms. So I did that and um, I discovered him right while I was doing my training to be a personal trainer. The gym that I went into was had lots of different check-based um, PT. So if you didn't do a check course, basically you were really the odd one out. So you had to do it to keep up with the Joneses kind of thing and to compete on a level that everybody in the gym expected or the member base yeah. expected. Um, so it encompasses the physical side of things, but mm-hmm. it also encompasses the mental, emotional, spiritual side of things. And when we were first doing the check courses, you didn't have to do both. You could do one or the other. I chose at the time because of my background and history with my first husband having cancer, I knew that the physical was part of it, but everything else that you did alongside that mm. outside the gym was just as, if not more important. And as the years have gone on, on I know that the mental and emotional trauma and where you hold that trauma in your cells is probably more important than even the physical that you actually do to try and heal that. So I did those levels of certification and became a Czech qualified practitioner or Czech practitioner, we call it. Um, Yeah, and worked in gyms all those years. Um, What was the other question that you asked in that? So we were starting with Czech and then because you had that really kind of holistic approach to wellness and then now I want to hear about waves of wellness like what, what in your experience because you've experienced I think and I suppose most people have who kind of coach in this arena but you've experienced the healing of water personally mm-hmm. and now I mean that is your stuff because sharing that possibility with people especially women yeah um I think surfing still has this mystique as like oh I could never do that it's really and it is hard like it's a hard it's, hard. it's not it is not for most people. I mean, there's always those naturals that you kind of love to hate a little bit who just jump Get on up. a board and stand up and can surf kind of thing. But, the, you know, they're rare, especially yep. for people who are learning later in life, um, especially for people who don't have that confidence or that competency in the water. And I mean, the ocean is a cruel master. Mm-hmm. And like you said earlier, um, you know, when you were talking about people think that we have control over that, that is not my experience. Like I get spanked by the ocean so hard. I get humbled by it. And I, to me, that is the lesson in surfing is like, it's literally a thing that I do where I keep falling down and I get back up. And like, I just spend most of the time, most of the time in the water, but you keep trying, you're chasing that tiny bit of stoke. And so tell me a little bit about waves of wellness, first of all, because I know a little bit about it, but I think it's an, uh, an amazing program. So Waves of Wellness is a program. It's actually the very first day I had a rostered shift. <laughs> I was rostered on to be a sidekick to one of the other coaches in the launch of Waves of Wellness with um, Joel Pilgrim. So he was down. And at the time I was like, didn't really know what a big deal it would become in my life. Um, so, yeah, I did, like I was on that first 
session that they did and then they launched their program and I put my hand up and said I really want to do this because Waves of Wellness is a, was started by Joel Pilgrim. It is offered to people who have wellness, mental health problems, who want to improve on their mental health. So there's a list of things when you try and sign up for one of the programs that you have to tick off to qualify for. And my in my experience and my opinion, I think everybody would qualify yeah. In some yeah. era of being able yeah. to say, yep, I've felt sad one day. I've suffered with depression. I've been affected by whatever's going on in my life. I've felt like I needed support somewhere. Um, so they're funded. So Waves of Wellness comes into Urban Surf as an external company and uses our space basically. So as a mm-hmm. surf coach, I'm employed still by Urban Surf to be a surf coach in the program of Waves of Wellness. So they've got facilitators who run it. And us two coaches who work on the program work side by side with those facilitators. Um, because I fell in love with it, I've done almost, I've done it all except one of the programs that we've run at Urban Surf. It is funded by different companies. So we have like Movember or different other companies who recognize the importance of funding mental health programs mm-hmm. in a different way. So certain groups will have just men, certain groups will just have women, some are for youth. And at the moment we've got one which we're so excited about. It's about, I can't remember the actual name of them, but they're newly um, new to the country refugees. So we've got a group of youth um, refugees who we can't, they've got an interpreter. So they've got a um, like a carer who comes with them who helps interpret. But we've had to, as coaches, all four of us have had to really learn how to communicate, not verbally, but like physically more so than we normally would do. So, um, and there was a little kid in it who came the first week with his big brother and it's supposed to be a program for 16 above, 16 and above year olds. But this little boy was 11 and he came to our facilitator Camilla and said, do you have swimmers? Can I get in the water and swim as well? And she didn't have the heart to say no. So he filled in the paperwork and the following week he came and he is amazing. Doesn't surf much yet, but these are kids who probably would never have been exposed yeah. to any sort of wellness or mental health program, let alone the water. I was going to say, or the, the ocean. Come from, yeah. Or the ocean where they've come from. So, and that's what we get a lot. Like people who have wanted to explore what surfing might be, mm. but for whatever reason, it has kept them back and held them back, whether that be cost, whether that be fear of the water. We've had mm-hmm. a lot of people mm-hmm. who are scared of the water um, or just, not from a surfing background. So it's really, we break down those barriers that we know inhibit people from attempting to learn how to surf and give them that opportunity in an an environment that is really nurturing and really safe and really supportive of their particular needs. So it's not one-on-one, but in terms, if we know we've got someone in a group who needs extra care, then we'll allocate one of either myself as a coach or one of our other coaches or the facilitator, we'll spend extra time with that particular person while we all manage everything else. So um, Jeepers, there have been so many people who've come through those programs who now are fully surfing and members at Urban Surf and go down to the ocean and who I connect with the Peninsula Surf Sisters and who I connect with the Torquay Board Riders Club. And yeah, like... I've built up networks by being able to refer these people after they've done the program and they go, well, I can't maybe not afford to surf at Urban Surf every week, but where do I go to surf? Like who, where can I surf? And another factor for women in particular has been, yeah, um, I'm scared of 
going in the water by myself. I don't know anybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know the conditions. How do I learn that sort of thing? And whilst we don't necessarily have the time in the Waves of Wellness program to teach them everything about that, um, I can put them in contact with people now that I know who do have the time or people like yourself and people like Jess um, McLeish who will go, I'm surfing here on this day. This is going to be great conditions for a beginner. Come and surf with us. So it's helped my mental health to be in the program because it means so part of it is the first half an hour or hour, depending on which program it is, we sit on the land or sit on the sand it's supposed to be um, and have a group discussion. And it's a topic each week that we talk about and Carmela leads that as a facilitator and just puts questions out there and whoever can wants to respond can respond you don't have to respond in that group but normally by week three and by week four of that program we can't stop them talking which yeah. for mental health that's and group therapy because that's what it is that's amazing yeah by week three or week four to have people who like we've got a, a kid who had spent two years in his bedroom his parents couldn't get him out of his bedroom he's now like he stayed in the water with us when everybody else got out last week because it was freezing cold and pouring rain he wanted to keep going and do the full hour. Yeah. He didn't want to get out of the water. Yeah. So those sorts of changes in people, it just allows that to happen naturally, that they feel comfortable and there's something about the water and being in the water that helps people open up. You're making me really emotional. <laughs> me too. <laughs> sure yeah. I'm getting emotional. And um Something I really struggled with um, when Urban Surf was first announced was, you know, there was just criticism of of wave parks. Absolutely. Uh, And certainly there's environmental impact. Any, I think, amongst the climate emergency and some of the things that we're facing, anytime there's a large scale construction project, regardless of what it is that's being built, we're right to ask questions about the impact of these things. Uh, There's obviously surfing purists who are like, oh, those aren't real waves and this and that. But surf surf parks allow people to experience surfing who would otherwise never experience that there are people who have uh you know health conditions where they can't be in freezing cold water there are people who i mean not that it's like heated or whatever at urban surf but it's definitely warmer than it is in the winter ocean here kind of thing uh you don't have the unpredictability of swell to spend a whole day driving down to the peninsula because the report looked really good and then you get here and there's no waves or the brakes crowded or there was a shark sighting you know everything's kind of called off so Something I think that's always been really hard with any kind of culture, and we're seeing it as well, certainly in mountain bike culture, I would say skate culture was the big one for me as a teen that I really wanted to be a skateboarder, but I was kind of shunned and that was something only the boys did. And, you know, and so I I took that role on of hanging out and cheering on the boys. And and just last year at 43 was like, no, fuck it. I'm going to learn to skate and I'm terrible. But, you know, I've I've done a couple lessons and fallen a lot and had a good time. Right. Um, But you do form in any culture, you form this language and this way of being together. And then something I think that happens is that you form that community. Mm-hmm. And when we form communities, there can be a natural tendency to keep other people out, you know, yeah. especially when it's things like, you know, parking situations and crowding and stuff. But my experience in things like the Peninsula Surf Sisters, which like we just can't shut them out enough. Hey, we're going to be talking about them. I'll be talking to several of them on this podcast um, to really just be so collaborative and mm-hmm. to allow a space for stories. You know, we had salty yarns throughout the winter here where we talked about different topics and we had different guest speakers of women who've been surfing for 40 years and how it's changed for them. 
And the other conversations that I know happened um, when PSS launched, because everyone has stickers on their cars. So you rock up and you're like, oh, somebody from the club is here and I haven't been out. I, ha I didn't want to get cold. That was my nervous system response. I didn't surf through the winter this year. I didn't even go in the water, which is probably the first time I haven't done that in my life. Yeah, but wow. my body just was like, no, we don't. We don't want that. And now I'm back to my ice baths and stuff and I'm, I'm keen to get back in the water. And I was swimming yesterday. Um, but the other conversations that happened were with the men mm -hmm. on the peninsula who were like, whoa, like there's so many chicks surfing now, you know, and, and realizing that those women had always been there. Mm -hmm. But being able to, certainly with one woman that I was speaking to uh, at, a, at a club event, she was saying when she said to him, like, oh, there's always been this many of us surfing, but some people are really intimidated to go out when they're the only woman in the water. Mm. And some of the old timers around here were like, why? And they were like, because we get cut off or we get called off waves or we get called names or we get threatened. And they were just like, what? Like they were shocked. They were really, right. really shocked to hear that that was happening. Um, and as a result, there's been a, you know, a, a dialogue around some of that as well because because localism can be a thing people can be jerks in the water mm -hmm. um and you know that intimidation factor and not wanting to look foolish and not wanting to fall but I think that's the beauty for me certainly of middle age is like I don't care if I stuff up at all mm -hmm. like I'm I'm perfectly willing to fail and there is something about the water what do you think it is about being around the water or like equine therapy is another great example. But when you take these people who have really struggled to put into words, what it is that they're having a hard time with and you put them on a bike or a surfboard or a horse, um, veterans have been another huge, hugely successful program, yep. um, overseas, the documentary resurfacing. If anyone hasn't mm -hmm. seen that highly recommend, it's like 30 awesome. minutes short. So incredible from your background as a Czech practitioner. Mm -hmm. What do you think it is about those scenarios in particular that allow people to go so much deeper and be so much more vulnerable? Big question. Um, I think a lot of times in life we think we have to play a part, mm. as in like you and me. I thought I had to sit on the beach and be the girl who just brought the boys the towel or waited yeah. for them to come in to buy them the sausage roll, whatever it was. So I played along with that. And I think in the water, the guys thought they had to show their machoism and show their manliness by telling the girls to piss off and get lost. Like yeah. I think we've all played those roles. Mm -hmm. And when you're saying that when now the guys go, we didn't even know that was happening. Yeah. It's because we've carried those <laughs> roles throughout like the last 20, 30 years, unknowingly playing into the part that we really didn't want to be a part of but just fell into because that's what you did yeah and even if they weren't outwardly saying get off the wave to the women the women were perceiving that they would be told that just because it was a male in the water or a group of males in the water so yeah. I suspect it's got a bit to do with the water but I suspect it's got a lot more to do with the changing of society yeah yeah starting to shift and we're starting to allow men to say, actually, I don't want to be that masculine yeah. macho dick that I was yeah. back then. And I'm sorry if I was. Mm -hmm. um, that's not who I am. I, not that they're saying outwardly they want to be more feminine, but they are leaning towards their more feminine side. Yeah. And we have to be really careful as women to make it clear. And I'm saying this all the time at Evanson. I 
don't want to overrule men. I don't want men out of the water. I don't want to take over the water. There's enough space for There's all of us. Yeah. For all of us to work together. And even though we've got groups that are just women, mm-hmm. we're stronger together, not yeah. separate. Yeah. And I think society is starting to shift towards that in some areas. We've got mm-hmm. a long way to go in other areas. <laughs> but, uh-huh. but I think the more safe men feel to feel more or to let down their guard a little bit, the more yeah. safe women will feel to step up and step out of their yeah. traditional. And to take up space. To take up you space. Know. Yeah. Without taking over the space. Yeah. So and I think-, I think that until that that really happens, having dedicated women's only events is a really important part of that. Um, For sure. Certainly in my work with clients who've experienced trauma, uh, especially sexually related trauma, Absolutely. to have a place um, wearing bathing suits and wetsuits. Like there's a whole, there's a whole body image. Some of the people that are going to be on this podcast are um, body positive advocates for women Mm -hmm. surfing and adventure sports and things like that. And those are conversations I'm really excited to be having because that is a space that did not exist. Mm -hmm. And it was only quite recently that women who were involved in these fields said, this space doesn't exist. And we waited and we waited. And then finally we've gone, well, fuck it. I guess I'm just going to have to create it myself. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happened, you Mm know? Um, And I think that that's really fantastic to see slow like you said and certain areas I'm like whoa the growth we've experienced is amazing and then there's some areas I'm like oh we're still not getting paid as much in the same job you know and there's there's always going to be some of that that we're going to be dealing with and to strive towards um but certainly to start to have personal experience of that in the water and that support and that collaboration and that that willingness and ability to just enjoy the vibe together without it being this judgment of this or that you know and there's always going to be assholes there's always going to be in everything laugh at yep. you. exactly. And this is what I tell my kids about bullies is there's bullies everywhere. And some people never grow out of that. A lot of people don't. And you have to mm-hmm. learn to deal with that, you know, um, as I knew we would, the time is flying by and we still have a bit of time, but I want to hear about amongst the waves um, because you do have another podcast that I do want to sure. mention. It was called raw heart and soul. Mm-hmm. It is called Raw Heart and Soul. Those episodes are still available. There will be links in the show notes for this episode. I was was I your first guest or one of? One first? of. I think I recorded with you first. Yeah. And then I recorded with Sean Croxton. His yes. came out first as yes. my launch and you're my, you're my second. But I think I recorded yep. with you first. Yes. Yeah. Um, yep. And that is really about following your soul's purpose in life. Right. Which for yep. you, I mean, obviously, if you have a Venn diagram, uh, you, there's a lot of overlap there between soul's purpose as a Czech practitioner, as a mother, as a partner, as a grandma, you're surfing. Those are all very much intertwined for you. Mm-hmm. But the focus more recently has been on amongst the waves. Absolutely. So can you, can you tell us a little bit about that and what, I mean, as I've been joking, as I've set up interviews for this, I'm like, hi, I'm starting a podcast just to do something different. Cause you know, everybody and their dog has a podcast, but I think what we're seeing is that there's again, like, like, Rube in the ocean, there's room for so many stories. And the Absolutely. more perspectives and the more stories we can share, the better off we're all going to be. So what stories are you sharing on Amongst the Waves? So Amongst the Waves was to start with a just a surfing podcast because I love talking so much about surfing that I needed <laughs> and wanted to give my husband a break. <laughs> and and have Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> and have somewhere where I could talk about it as much as I wanted to. Yeah, without yep. inhibitation. 
inhibiting. Yeah. yeah. Not that Andrew stops me from doing that, but I know that I get tired of listening to the sound of my own voice sometimes. So it was kind of like, I want to talk more about this because this is so much fun. So it's got men and it's got women on it. In the last couple of months, I've veered more towards women because that's what is coming towards me or coming to me, I should say. Um, And there's certainly, and there were very few when I first started amongst the waves, there were very few female podcasters. And in fact, I think in my intro on it or the um, dialogue on it, it still says the first and only female presented Australian surfing podcast. Um, That's not the case anymore, which I am so happy about. There are quite a few other ones, Um, but I wanted to bring, female's voice to that surfing podcast space because when I was doing the research about surfing podcasts all I could find was men and some of those are great and some of those are what I used to hear in the 80s which turned me off wanting to be part of the surfing culture were all that like the the real slang and the real like lots of language and with coming from having raw heart and soul the podcast I talk really deep conversations with people and I wanted it to be deeper than just the surface stuff that I was finding in other surfing podcasts. So that's yeah. one of the reasons that I started it. Um, probably one of the main reasons. And yeah, it's like I said, it's kind of taking its own path in terms of I'm getting more women at the moment to yeah. interview and talk to. And, and I love that. And I want to, and I what, had planned to do this, but I want to start really talking to some of the younger girls that are up and coming as well, mm-hmm. because um I think that's a really interesting topic that's not there or speaking to the younger girls who are trying to make it onto the tour, their experiences and how they are planning their lives around surfing and how they're planning their lives after surfing. So Isabella Nichols is a perfect example of that. She has had some coaching through one of the ladies that I've actually had on the podcast, Michelle Mitchell, who was part of Surfing New South Wales for a long time, or Surfing Australia, sorry, for a long time. So the coaching and education that those girls are getting now or getting opportunities to have is very different to... The likes of Lane Beachley and the likes of even Steph Gilmore. Yeah. They're, the coaching and the education they're getting around being a great surfer and a professional surfer, as well as being a great human outside that and what they're going to do after or if their surfing career doesn't progress the way, well, the way they want it to. I like those stories as well. So I'm heading in that kind of direction with it. But, yeah, Real Heart and Soul started because I, again, like talking, but also wanted to have a reference point because I would talk to people as a coach and say, this is what I've learned from this person or you, this is a great person. So having those conversations with people that I was referring to meant that I've got a platform where I can go, go and listen to this. Yeah. Think yep. about the questions I ask on that, come back to me and then we can discuss it a little bit deeper. So it, with a, in a coaching time frame, I've only got a certain amount of time with each person and yep. I can talk for hours about one sort of topic. So to put it into something where they can, go and listen to it on their own time and then come back to me with the main points was really important for me. So that's one of the reasons that Raw Heart and Soul started. And um, I like a good cry as well. Like I think that's a really good. I don't think I've gotten through an episode of that podcast without crying. Like I've ugly cried a couple of times and I'm actually quite stoic, you know. I have to work to overcome that sometimes to let myself go like that. But um, yeah, highly, highly recommend that. Highly recommend Amongst the Waves as well. And I do think that um, talking to younger athletes, and I think being a professional athlete is is so hard because on the one hand, you have to have this almost single-minded focus 
on the excellence that you're pursuing. You have to kind of have this unwavering belief mm -hmm. in yourself and that you can achieve it and that you can win that title or make the team or this or that. But, you know, I always think about when we have, um, like school career days at assembly and they pass the mic down. They're like, what are you going to be? And like every boy is like, I'm going to be an AFL player. <laughs> and you know, so many of the moms are like, yeah, you are. And I'm like, they're not like, mm. they're not, this is, you know, if you statistically look at how many kids there are at the school year after year, after year, we go to a great school, but it's not pumping out 40 young AFL players a year. That is not good. And for a variety of reasons, some people choose right. not to, some people injure out at a young age but to prepare these people because i think that i mean that is the beauty of sport as someone who did not consider herself athletic mm -hmm. like her whole life and it was only in my late 20s and 30s that i was like i'm actually kind of i mean I, i'm okay at a lot of things i'm not actually great at any but that's because i don't want to be i'd right. rather be a generalist but to have this mindset and even nutrition sleep um, you know, and that's, that's one thing I've always found really interesting within the surf culture and skate culture as well is that mm -hmm. there's, you know, there's such a, a stereotype of drug use and, and for sure that exists. And that can mm -hmm. be a super fun part of it as well. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I've had my own experiences with that, which we've discussed in the past, mm -hmm. but then also so many of the people I know that surf, it's like eight o'clock at night. We're like, well, better get to bed. We got Dom patrol, you know, like they're not, it's, it's pretty clean living really for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and even for these young people and young women in particular to see them having, you know, physio and rehab when they're injured or being introduced to ice baths or sports psychology or sports psychology, which sports psychology or psychology of any kind, but sports psychology in particular is a brilliant thing to have in your toolkit, whether you're playing a sport or not, you know, mm -hmm. those, those are things that will serve them while they're on the tour and long after. And that will trickle down to other people. And you see people like Lane Beachley, who has launched her own initiatives, yeah. um, who you spoke to. And, and she's been able to really apply some of those lessons um, because she did not have it easy. You know, That's right. I mean, a lot of people, um, especially women who were surfing on the tour back then, there was there was layers and layers of difficulty. Mm -hmm. um, still is for everyone who's on the tour. It's that being on the tour is not easy. But, you know, she's been able to parlay that into a way of supporting other people as well. And yep. to see that on flow effect, I think is great. And I think that's what you're doing with Amongst the Waves. Mm -hmm. um, so last questions, because mm -hmm. I've, I've promised everyone that I will not interrupt a great story to end on time. But I also know that, like you and I have said, I could talk for three hours. We may have to do a part two at some point. But mm -hmm. for women who are thinking of getting into surfing, who have listened to this and gone, oh, like she had to learn to swim and surf, mm -hmm. which always makes me giggle when I think about the fact that not only did you have to learn to surf, but you had to learn to swim, right? Yeah. And I think yeah. getting, in the, getting in the water as an adult, is in, anything as an adult seems infinitely more scary than learning to do it when you're a child. Absolutely. Um, but for anyone who's hesitating, um, what, what would be your, what would be your why they should try it? And what would be kind of, I guess, the practical tips that you would give them to get themselves on a board? Um, I'm going to say, I'm always going to say start at Urban Surf because it's yep. got a safe environment to do it. Yep. We've got the boards. We've got different board types that you can start to choose and change when you start to move through it. Um, it just makes things easier most of the time yep. for people to be able to learn in that environment. And there's no sharks. 
So, you know, there's no sharks, there's no fish. It's no good. Yeah, there's no Um, fish. It also can fit into your timetable. Yeah. Yep. As in, yeah. You know which time you're surfing and you know that the waves will be there. So, it's kind of predictable in that way. So, for most women, that's what we need. We need to be able to fit it into our busy schedules and our lives around our families and our careers and everything else that we've got going on. Um, So, biggest tips or first tips? Everybody else feels exactly the same way you are mm-hmm. feeling. You feel awfully self-conscious in a wetsuit. You feel like you might have put it on the back to front. Most people do that. I've done that so many times. Inside out. Um, you might feel like really uncomfortable because it's tight and it's hot and it's constricting and all of those things. Every single person who's come through and learned to surf feels exactly the same way as you do. Um and I, I know that probably doesn't make you feel any better in the in the moment, but the amount of time you're spending on focusing on yourself, no one yeah. else is looking at you or thinking about you because they're all in their own little bubble doing exactly the same thing to themselves, yeah. Yeah. thinking about themselves. Um, work through it. it. It does get easier. Getting a wetsuit on does get easier as you get more practice at it. Um, and find a community. Find even if it's just one person in the change room who's struggling as hard as you are, to get out of their wetsuit to get into it and get out of it that's what I need my friend is to pull it off when my arms are noodled after a big surf I'm like (laughs) I can't get out of this yeah yep find a community I've changed not changed I try I um strained my shoulder in the first season (gasps) that I was coaching because I was trying to get out of my wetsuit too quickly and (sighs) just pulled it mostly my shoulder um yeah so find a community remember that everybody else feels exactly the same way as you do yeah. keep trying keep going you might not get it in the first go but eventually you will get it and yeah. that, it's so worth that feeling I've don't think I've done anything else that makes me feel more empowered as a woman and feel as one with nature as surfing does yeah and look there there is a reason that so many people who are in recovery from drug and alcohol addiction take up surfing because it is that I don't want to say it's a high but it's that um oh it's a stillness it is a high but it's also that stillness you know it's that lack of chaos that focus I was going to say that um everything in that bubble like nothing else matters and people in the wow program say this all the time they completely forget about time and everything else where they are because they're so focused on just doing that one thing yeah and the communities are there um we will link some of them uh in the show notes obviously Kenya, where can people find you? I, I will be linking in the show notes, certainly all of your socials and everything, but where is the best place to jump uh, the on best board? Place to get me at the moment is on Instagram. So Tanya Instagram. A. Carroll. Yeah. Tanya yep. A. Carroll on Instagram. Um, and otherwise you can find me at Integrity Chiropractic, either of those Beautiful. two things. And I just say to people, you just have to Google my name and it'll come up because I'm so far across everything that I have. You're, been so you're long, involved but... in a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I will just, um, just a, a bit of a plug for Tanya, certainly as well. I'm a huge advocate. So I work with my movement coaching clients and I work with joyful movement. And one of the things I'm working with a lot of my clients about and exploring myself is finding a way to feel safe and secure and to experience pleasure in our bodies again. Um, Mm. because we have so many of us by our thirties and forties, we have injuries that we didn't treat or things like that. Surfing is a physically taxing sport. Mm. Um, and if you want to take up surfing or if you get into it and you get that bit of a buzz and you're like, Oh, this is something I want to be able to do. And you want that longevity, highly recommend having a chat with Tanya. She does run workshops and she does a lot of specific work around core strength for surfers. 
um, which which will make a huge difference to the elusive pop-up, which that's another, that, can I just that's say? That's another three-hour conversation. Well, but the stoke that I get when I actually pop up, which has literally only happened to me a handful of times in my life, is like every time I do it, I'm so surprised I immediately fall off the fall board because yep. I just am so distracted by my own amazingness that I'm like, okay, and then I just I did die. It. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Um, but she can help you with that as well. So she can help you on that front and she can help with the mindset. And if you are a surfer who is looking to take your surfing to the next level, um, Tanya is a great person to talk to. I actually think it's a huge benefit that you have not been a lifelong surfer because I think it's really hard when you have done a sport from the time that you're two or three and you don't know how you learned because you've just always been able to do it to be able to understand some of the hesitation or the obstacles people may be experiencing whereas you because it's so recently in your life that you've had to do all those steps mm -hmm. you can My empathy value them. is well yeah like your empathy the lack of judgment the compassion but also like a practical way to approach what physically they need to work on emotionally through their mindset and everything like that so uh it has been amazing to speak with you, my friend. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. And I will talk to you very soon. Thanks, Megan. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to Sisters in Stoke. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review and share the episode with your friends. If you or somebody you know would be an excellent Stokes person, feel free to get in touch. All of the information you need is in the show notes. Until next time, I'm your host, Megan Burks, reminding you to find your Stoke.